We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 135 of the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. It is the bye week, but I got a packed show for you guys as I go over some housekeeping items, including one of the biggest announcements in the history of the Spurs Up Show's business lifetime. I'll go over that. Also, my bye week blues. Talk about the bye week, what I think South Carolina needs to work on most over the bye week. Also have news and notes from Frank Martin's presser, the Georgia game kickoff being announced, uh, a couple Gamecocks getting some awards, Gamecocks across baseball, your listener questions and voicemails, and much, much more. Also have a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks running back Derek Watson, a.k.a. Squeaky, as we talk about his career at South Carolina, battling adversity off the field, his professional career, what he's learned the most throughout life in general, and much, much more. Before we get into all that, this is a podcast presented to you by our friends over at Tanny Hills Group Therapy. Yes, Tanny Hills Group Therapy, the oldest bar in five points owned by legendary USC quarterback Steve Tannehill. They've got great specials for you guys, including Taco Tuesday, Wing Wednesday. They're perfect if you're a local here in Columbia and want to grab a bite to eat, or if you're in town for game day, or if you want a fun night out in the town, Tanny Hills is the way to go. Again, that's Tanny Hills Group Therapy, located down in five points. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show. As always, it is the bye week. And does anybody else have the bye week blues like I do? No Gamecock football this weekend. Gamecocks having one of their two bye weeks for the 2019 season. You know, it's funny. I was taking a look at this bye week initially, and I was like, you know what? This will be good. We all get to kind of step away, relax. We're going into it off of a, vic- a victory. Everybody feels good. But now that we're getting later in the week, and I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, like, I'm obviously going to watch football Saturday, but. I already miss Gamecocks football. Like, I wish I was looking forward to a game on Saturday. But either way, Gamecocks, the team at least, getting probably some much-needed rest after the Kentucky victory. Um, Before we get into everything, like I said, I got a couple news and notes here. A lot of your listener questions. I'll spend most of the show on that. Um, But I do want to go over some housekeeping items, including a major, 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 major announcement regarding the Spurs Up show a business-changing type announcement. I have not made the announcement on social media yet. If you're hearing this on Thursday morning, uh, we'll probably do so later sometime on Thursday. But uh, some very overwhelming, exciting news, some news that I didn't expect to bring you guys at any point, something that I did not expect to happen. Um, 
but very excited about, and I want to share it with you. So the last couple of weeks, I've kind of been in the works. You guys may have seen, I actually tweeted a couple of weeks ago that there was some business changing type news coming and the deal was made official on Wednesday afternoon. Um, it's crazy. I mean, I'm just overwhelmed just thinking about it. But just to let you guys know, awesome stuff. Uh, you're probably familiar with the outlet Palmetto Moon. I believe they have 10 or 11 locations across the state of South Carolina. The Spurs Up show merchandise, a couple of specific pieces, which I won't announce yet. I want to wait until they're produced and they're actually in the stores, and then we'll kind of announce which ones they are. But a couple of different pieces from the Spurs Up show store, which I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with. Um, the Spurs Up Show merch is going to be sold in Palmetto Moon at wholesale uh, on a massive scale in every single location that Palmetto Moon has across the state of South Carolina, I believe, but in a massive scale. Um, the Spurs Up Show merch being sold in Palmetto Moon. Um, obviously, as you guys can imagine, again, you're probably a lot of you are probably familiar with Palmetto Moon, and if you're not, basically it's a it's a store you can find like in malls and stuff like that. They sell like Palmetto stuff, so like South Carolina uh, generic stuff, like Palmetto tree type stuff, Carolina stuff, Clemson stuff, whatever. So the Spurs Up Show merchandise is going to be in that store. So, you know, again, a huge, overwhelming, awesome, amazing announcement. Again, you know, like just a game changer, a game changer for me, for the Spurs Up Show, for the business, for everything. You know, it's funny. I have always done the, shirt, the, the the Spurs Up Show store and really enjoyed it and, you know, love doing the merch. I really do. I love being able to be creative with it and create cool stuff and cool shirts and give fans some unique merchandise, if you will, to wear on game day or just wear around in general. But never in my wildest dreams did I see the merchandise really jumping ahead to the forefront of the Spurs Up Show and what I'm doing. And um, it's just – it's crazy. So I, I really, really do appreciate – I really do appreciate everyone who has supported because without you guys, it wouldn't have happened because I'll give you kind of an in, some insight and a story. The way that it actually happened is that Palmetto Moon had people coming into their Columbia locations. They have two locations in Columbia. They had people coming into their two Columbia locations asking for shirts that, were, that are on the Spurs Up Show store, asking for shirts, and that's how – the Spurs Up – or Palmetto Moon basically reached out to me, and that's how they found out about it. So without the supporters – it, 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 this would not have happened. So I just want to say to you guys, I'm eternally grateful. I'm so thankful. And this is, as you can imagine, it's just amazing news. And I, I'm just so excited for, for this. It's, it's, again, it's overwhelming. It's crazy. So I just want to give you guys the good news. Obviously, I know you guys would be, you know, probably interested to hear it. And obviously I'll make a formal announcement on social media, probably sometime Thursday, but you know, it's just, just crazy. I mean, I, I, words don't even, I can't put into words how excited I am, how thankful I am, how humbled I am, how grateful I am, just everything. So uh, another thing, moving off of that, another thing I want to say, another thank you to the fans. Everyone I saw at the tailgates, everyone that shouted me out, said hello. I, it never goes unnoticed. I really, really do appreciate it. If it was later in the tailgate and I was sort of in a different zone, if you know what I mean, I do apologize. Um, the night game got me. That's all I can really say. But thank you to everyone at the tailgates. I thought it was really interesting. Even people that, you know, I met some people, and this has been a cool thing. I've met some people that even know who I am and say they disagree with me, but respect what I'm doing. For those people, I truly, genuinely appreciate that. That means a lot. Because, listen, we don't, have, we don't all have to agree with each other. But at the end of the day, we're all Gamecocks, right? So I appreciate everyone that took their time at the tailgates to reach out, to say hello, to talk Gamecocks football, just, uh, you know, offer their hospitality. That means a lot to me, and I really, really do appreciate it. Um, 
Another thing is I mentioned a lot of times you guys could do me a favor, hit the pause button right now, go to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you're listening, whatever platform you're listening on, do me a favor, leave a five-star review or leave your thoughts, leave your feedback, just leave a review. It helps boost up the show, helps other people find the show that maybe aren't familiar with the Spurs Up show. Uh, but if you could do me a favor, again, go to whatever platform you're listening to the show on, leave a review. Um, it just helps out the Spurs Up show and helps boost the uh, – the credibility, if you will, of the show. So I really, really do appreciate that. Uh, also, one other thing, Behind the Beak, episode six, dropping on Wednesday afternoon. Awesome stuff. Uh, you guys kind of get to see my hometown. Went, on, went home and watched North Augusta Strom Thurman on Friday afternoon, and then obviously the Kentucky game on Saturday. Got a lot of good footage at the tailgates. A lot of good video in the stadium, too, which was really, really cool. So Behind the Beak, episode six. Be sure to check that out on YouTube or on Twitter, you know, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. But it's on the full video will be on YouTube. So. Um, all right, so let's get into it. As far as the bye week, bye week blues is what I call it. And I asked on social media, does anybody else have the bye week blues? Because the blues are for me is there's not a lot to talk about going into going into a bye week. There's really not a lot to talk about. Uh, Gamecocks obviously off this week, one of their two bye weeks for the 2019 season. Obviously, a lot of college football on Saturday, but the Gamecocks and Clemson off because I know a lot of people, you know, just around the state in general, no football in the state this week as far as the two big schools. So the Gamecocks are off. Um, what do we talk about? Uh, the one thing I will touch on, because again, I'm going to spend most of the show really focused on your listener questions, your voicemails, and then the, uh, the great interview with Derek Watson. But the one question I pose is just, you know, what does South Carolina, what does South Carolina need to work on over the bye week the most? Cause you know, I think a bye week, it's a great opportunity for teams to rest up, obviously get healthy. I think this is going to be a great opportunity for South Carolina to, you know, get healthy as far as like Rico Dowdle, I think even Ryan Holinsky, you know, just lines of scrimmage everywhere. It just gives the entire team an opportunity to catch its breath, if you will. And I'm not saying they, they need it they just through five weeks, but it gives your team the opportunity to do that. But I actually ran a poll on social media, which I'm looking for right now, if I could just find it. Um, basically asking you guys, you know, what do you think is the one thing that the Gamecocks need, specifically need to focus on and work on over the bye week. And here's the poll right here. I said, what's the biggest thing you think the Gamecocks need to improve on in the bye week? Tackling, pass blocking, play calling, or other? Which is pretty funny. Just under 1,000 votes. 45% of you say play calling. <laughs> so, um, I don't know what Brian McClendon, if he needs to spend more time thinking about, thinking about what plays he's going to call against Georgia and the rest of the season. Or um, No, 28% of you guys said tackling. 21% said pass blocking. And then 6% said other. You know, for me specifically, what do I think South Carolina needs to work on over the bye week? I, I think for me, it's going back and just focusing on the little things, like tackling. I, I think tackling is a big thing. I, I think play calling, I do almost agree with it in the sense of I think the Gamecocks need to continue to work on developing their identity. Um, I talked about that a lot in the Monday show, that I really hope the Gamecocks stick with that, and they really embrace that tough mentality, that tough physical identity, and wanting to run the football and getting – Tavian Feaster and Rico Dowdle 10, 15-plus touches every single game because I think that's what they need to do. I think that's going to be what's best suited for this team, you know, for South Carolina football, but for this team, especially with a true freshman quarterback, especially going on the road to Georgia, you're going to need to run the football. Um, so I think for me, I, that's what I'd like to see. And, I, you know, again, we're not going to know what they're working on, but I imagine they're working on the fundamentals. But I'd like to just see this team continue to kind of find out more about itself. Uh, focusing on themselves, not even worrying about George, obviously, until we get to game week. But, uh, yeah, for me, it's just focusing on the little things, getting better at the little things, getting 1% better every day. I know that seems like coach speak, but, you know, just 
you know, getting better in that department, continue to develop. This team is a, is a young – not a young team in, in, a, in really in a sense, but you have a young quarterback and it's a team, especially Ryan Holinsky, that needs to continue to develop. So I think that will be the biggest thing uh, over the bye week. Um, so, like I said, not a lot to talk about in football. As you guys see, I'm already done talking about it just because, again, blame the bye week, don't blame me. Um, Frank Martin, I do want to talk about Frank Martin had his first uh, official presser on Wednesday afternoon. A lot of good stuff. He had the funny comment about the preseason polls. Basically, I put up, don't ask Frank Martin about preseason polls. Uh, you know, Frank Martin's a great time in the presser. He's hilarious. He's very candid and open, and I think that's something that a lot of coaches really don't do anymore. So it's really refreshing to hear Frank Martin kind of just go off on people and be honest and stuff like that. But I, I was impressed with his comments, and he sounds very confident. I think he should. You know, I, I put up the question on social media, you know, what are your realistic expectations for Gamecocks basketball? And most people, I would say, are saying NCAA tournament. And I, I would be the same. I'm, I'm the same way. I think this is an NCAA tournament team. And it needs to be an NCAA tournament team because I think, again, this is a big year for Frank Martin. I mean, every year is a big year, but this is a team that should make a run at the NCAA tournament, no questions asked. I think Frank Martin sounded very confident in that. I think the Gamecocks have a good chance at doing that. Um, but, you know, it, it, we'll, we'll see. Obviously, we'll see. Again, it, it's a long season. But, uh, no, I really liked what I heard from Frank Martin overall. I think he's a coach that sounds very confident. I think he really likes his guard play. He sounds like he likes his bigs that have transferred in. He likes the leadership on his team. He likes the overall speed. I know that's one thing he talked about is how quick they are. He likes the overall speed of his team. Um, so, very, very good stuff. Very, very good stuff from Frank Martin in his uh, Wednesday presser. Uh, other news and notes to get to. Georgia game announces a noon kickoff. You know, it's funny. I hated that at first, just from the football fan in me coming out. You know, hate noon kickoffs, whatever. But, uh, you know, being on the road, you do get the less raucous environment. It's not going to be as crazy at Georgia, and any advantage you can get is a good one. So, a noon kickoff might be just what the doctor ordered. Again, I'm not, I'm, I can go ahead and spoil it for you guys. I'm not going to be picking South Carolina to beat Georgia. But it could be something that helps. At least keep the game close. Maybe, maybe you catch Georgia off guard. You never know. So, either way, that game's a noon kickoff. DJ Wanham, by the way, I want to talk about these two guys. DJ Wanham and Joseph Charleston. DJ Wanham getting defensive player of the week. Joseph Charleston special teams player of the week for their performance against Kentucky. Uh, you know, no surprise. DJ Wanham was an absolute freak on Saturday against Kentucky. Joseph Charlton hitting bombs left and right, hitting bombs left and right against Kentucky. The best punter in the SEC, if not the entire country. And it's a shame. I just want to remind you that Joseph Charlton didn't make a single all-conference team before the season. So, it is what it is. Um, Gamecocks lacrosse. Want to give a shout-out to those guys as well, also releasing their schedule uh, definitely be sure to check those guys out. Obviously, the season not starting until February, but check them out on social media, Gamecocks Lacrosse. Um, their schedule released. Very, very exciting stuff. Also, Gamecocks Hockey. I don't know if you guys uh, keep up with the Gamecocks Hockey team or not, but the first home games at the Plex Friday and Saturday, I'll be in the building for both of them. Um, if you're in there, say what's up. I'm very, very excited. I've never been to a South Carolina hockey uh, game before. I'm very, very excited to go. going to be covering hockey all season long. We'll be talking about it on the podcast. I'm pumped. So, if you're in the building, say what up. It should be a really, really good time. Also, one more thing. Um, a lot of Talking about a lot of different sports here. Baseball. Gamecocks baseball is in full swing with practice, scrimmages, stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> I will be at every single baseball scrimmage from here on out with notes, my thoughts from the scrimmages, what I see, my takeaways. Actually pub published the first one on Tuesday afternoon after the scrimmage. I'll be at the Friday scrimmage as well doing the exact same thing. So you guys be sure to stay up to date with that. A lot of good no news, notes, insight, things like that. Really, really excited about obviously catching the guys and uh, looking forward to a really fun season in the spring. Um, 
All right, cool. So let's get into, have a couple of different questions in voicemails. I have two voicemails uh, and then a text-in question. Really excited for this text-in question, by the way. Um, I want to read this one off first. It says, question for Thursday. Hey, TSUS, it's Louie Louie guy. Shout out to Louie Louie guy, USC Louie Louie on social. I think that's what his Twitter handle is, but shout out to the Louie Louie guy. Appreciate you, man. Modern-day legend. If you guys missed it, he was on the scoreboard. Uh, dancing to Louie Louie. Play Louie Louie for every single game, USC, and let's bring Louie Louie guy back to Williams Bryce for every single game. Shout out to you, my friend, living legend. Uh, he says, in your opinion, what is more likely, USC beating either Florida or Texas A&M or dropping a game to App State, Tennessee, or Vanderbilt? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, what is more likely of those two scenarios? I hate to say it. I don't want to be negative, but I think right now losing one of those three games is going to be more likely than beating Florida or A&M. Um, I don't know. It's a 50-50. I mean, it's, I'm 51-49 that way. Like, I'm not sold on it. I mean, I do think South Carolina could certainly – I'm just – I'm not sold on Florida, and A&M is not nearly as good as I thought they'd be with Kellen Mond, although that game is in College Station. I don't, I don't like the odds there. Um, <clears throat> but – and then, you know, that three-game stretch, App State, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt, you know, Vandy always gives USC trouble. I know Tennessee's horrible. It's in Knoxville, but Tennessee is horrible. I think App State's the toughest game of those three. I think App State's good chance they're ranked when South Carolina plays. But I think it's 51-49. It's really a toss-up. I'll say it's more likely they lose one of the three. But, again, it's 50-50 it's for me, man. So, really, really good question because that is a, uh, that's a tough one for sure. So, like I said, got two voicemails, and then we'll get into listener questions from Instagram. But let's go ahead and get through these voicemails. Hey, Chris, this is Dylan from uh, Lake City. Uh, first, I want to get on at the Kentucky game. I saw you behind the uh, student section. Shook your hand and told you I liked the show, and uh, I don't really know what you replied back on. I don't know if you really remember, <laughs> given your condition. <laughs> I don't want to knock on that too much, but uh, I want to say the game was great. Really electric in the stadium. Um, ready to prepare for Georgia. Running game looked really, really good. Uh, defense looks stout. Every pass pretty much was contested. We got in the backfield consistently. Um, hoping we can do similar to Georgia, even though Kentucky's pretty trash. Uh, Sawyer Smith looked like he did not know where his receivers were. Did not know if that was a miscommunication or not, but at least the DB still were on the receivers either way. Uh, great show. Love it. And uh, go Cox. All right, Dylan, appreciate the voicemail, man. Uh, I do remember seeing you, again, the night game got me. That's all I can say. Tip of the cap to the night game. Uh, sometimes you just got to hold the L, and I'm, I'm going to hold the L because I, uh, I, I was feeling pretty good. We got to kick off. Feeling pretty good. The night game got me. It gets, it gets, sometimes it gets the best of us. Even to the best of us, it happens, so my apologies. Won't happen again. But, uh, no, no, I definitely remember you, man. I appreciate you shouting out. And yeah, I mean, you know, again, I, I don't – going back to what you said about Kentucky and kind of the comments on their team, I, you know, a lot of people have been asking, you know, is it that Kentucky is so bad or are we so good? And like, I think it's a mixture of both. Like, I think Kentucky's a bad football team. Let's not get it twisted. Um, the level of competition will step up immensely against the Georgia Bulldogs. But, uh, you know, overall, you know, a good win. But you make a lot of good points. Sawyer Smith looked completely lost. I don't even know if he's healthy. But the Gamecocks did what they had to do. So, overall, good win. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think – I don't ever remember a season 
where we're five games in and we know less about a team than we know about South Carolina right now. Because I don't really know what to think at this point or what to make of this team. Um, kind of interesting. So, anyways, we'll get to this last voicemail here. Hey, Chris, this is Dylan from Lake City again. Uh, I know I called yesterday, but I was talking with a guy at work and just made me think about it. And I want to hear what you had to say. Uh, everybody's on the final mustang train, including me, pretty much, because I don't, like you, I don't trust this coaching staff. Um, but I do want to put in perspective that when Clemson got Dabo, for those first couple of years there, I remember everybody having optimism, and then all of a sudden they were like, oh, he can't do it. You know, he was losing to Carolina, and it was just, this wasn't, it was okay seasons, and it was good seasons, but it wasn't great seasons. And of course, that's what they wanted was championships. And then all of a sudden, nobody wanted him, and then all of a sudden, bam, he's got a championship. And now everybody, they were all sold Dabo, Dabo, Dabo then. Uh, I feel like we might be doing the same thing with Muschamp. I'm not saying I, I don't trust him. I don't, I don't think he's the guy, but neither did they with Dabo. So do you think maybe we might be going through the same thing, or do you think this is a failure? Uh, love the show and just want to hear your opinion. Go Cox. All right, Dylan, double dipping on the voicemails, my man. I do appreciate it. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I do not think this is the same thing as Dabo, just long story short. I, listen, I mean, the thing is, is that maybe you could say that and justify that if Muschamp hadn't already failed at another school. I mean, I think that's a big proponent of it. Um, you know, Dabo was an unknown. And here's the thing. Dabo's biggest problem was he couldn't beat Carolina. It's not that they weren't good. I mean, they won the ACC or the their side of the ACC a couple of those years, but they couldn't beat South Carolina. I think that was the biggest reason why Clemson wanted to fire him, not because they weren't winning championships. You know, it'd be different if, we'll, if we were winning eight, nine, hell, even ten games a year with Muschamp and the biggest thing was just we couldn't beat Clemson. Well, I mean, that, that's a different story. But, you know, there's just been – there have been other bigger glaring issues and problems with the program that Will Muschamp has built to this point. And, yeah, it's just a completely different situation to me. I, that, that's just me. Again, I, you know, that's it's a completely different situation in my eyes. But, uh, you know, I guess it's an, it's an interesting talking point, if you will. But, no, I, I don't think – I don't think there's any, really any similarities. I mean, again – Dabo was an unknown, and Clemson was his first head coaching job. I mean, the problem with Muschamp is this is like he this has happened before with him that he's failed another school. Um, listen, I'm not, and I already talked about on Monday's show. I'm not naive to think look, one game doesn't change everything. And like I said, Kentucky's a bad football team. Um, I'll be very, very intrigued to see how South Carolina plays in Athens. Um, Gamecocks have not been good outside of Williams Bryce this year. They look terrible outside of Williams Bryce. And Georgia's a really good team, but how does the team look? Um, but, again, I, I'm same as you. I'm still not – I mean, do I believe that Muschamp's the guy to get South Carolina, to, you know, back to Atlanta? No. I just – I don't. At this point, I just don't. Until proven wrong, I, I don't believe it. But, um, no, I, I don't think there's really a whole lot of similarities with Muschamp and Dabo. I think it's two completely different situations. And I'm Muschamp doesn't even – does not deserve to be compared to Dabo in any sort of way. I mean, he, he's got to win something. 
So that just, you know, just being honest. So let's get to these other questions here on Instagram. Got a couple. Jay Roland Realtor says, you notice he finally went with the 4-3 defense and we dominated. Been saying it. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought they really stacked the box, played the run, and it really worked out for him. I hope they continue to do that, be aggressive on defense. Obviously, it's going to depend on the matchup, but I think against Georgia, I'd love to see him stack the box. And I know Jake Fromm's a great quarterback, but in that game, you've got to say, hey, you're not going to just run the ball down our throat. Jake Fromm, you're going to have to beat us with your arm. And you kind of hope that he'll make some mistakes. You know, he'll make some uncharacteristic throws and that your guys on the outside, J.C. Horn and Israel McQuamu, can lock up their man. Again, the Georgia wide receivers are not Alabama's receivers. I mean, this is going to be a different type of matchup. So, um, you know, I, I think you take your chances there. You play, you know, you let that defensive line work. You bring some extra guys in that box, and you let the guys on the outside lock down and man up on their guys. So, we'll see. Um, Captain underscore way, is Florida a top-10 team? In my opinion, no. With probable back-to-back -back losses, I think we hand them a third. I don't think Florida's a top-10 team, no. Absolutely not. Um, I think the Gamecocks will have a really, really good shot to beat them at home. I don't know if they will right now. There's obviously a lot of football to play until that point. But, no, I, I do not think Florida's a top-ten team at all. And I think Auburn beats them pretty badly this Saturday in, in the swamp. Um, Jonathan Weatherford, think Swearinger would come help our defensive backs. I think DJ Swearinger, you know, obviously he was just released. I think DJ Swearinger, though, is a little more concerned with getting back in the league because I think he's a guy that certainly can still play ball at that level. So, I think he's probably a little bit more concerned. Could he help, though? Sure, of course he could help. He's an NFL defensive back. Yeah, of course he could help. Um, let's see. Bassman Caleb says, in comparison, who's done a better job through their first five years at South Carolina, Boom or Spurrier? This is a joke, right? <laughs> it's a joke. I mean, come on. I mean, Steve Spurrier. I mean, here's – okay, I get why you're saying that because the record-wise, but – and I know the times are different because Georgia and Clemson are so good, but, dude, Spurrier actually beat Clemson. He beat Georgia. He won big games. He did things that had never been done in those first five years. I know they were rough. A couple of them six and six seasons that people were questioning whether Spurrier really had the mojo or not. But come on, man. Like, I, you can't. I, I, I mean, here's the thing. Times were different, too. The expectations weren't what they are right now. So, I mean, I, I'll give Muschamp the benefit of the doubt there, but – other than that, I mean, you know, I, you got to go Spurrier, in my opinion. Um, Jillian DeQuatro, I think I'm saying that right. Jillian DeQuatro, I love y'all. Jillian, love you too. Seriously, thank you so much. Uh, Blaine underscore 2008, what are the keys to the game to pull out a win at Georgia? I'll have all of my keys to the game next week, but the keys to the game right now to come off the top of my head is, like I said, your defensive line's got to play its best game of the season. Stack the box. Make Jake Fromm beat you through the air. And, again, you got to kind of hope that he has a little bit of an off day, if you will. I think South Carolina offense needs to come out and have that same physical mentality and run the football and get it in Rico Dowdles and Tavian Feaster's hands and take as much pressure as you possibly can off Ryan Linsky. Because, again, love Ryan. He's got as much arm talent as any kid I've ever seen, but he's a true freshman. Like, you, you, it's not smart to go into Athens, Georgia, and ask a true freshman to go win the game for you. So, I think the Gamecocks need to shorten the game, run the football, stop Georgia's running game. I mean, it really comes down to as simple as that. Be the more physical team. I mean, really, it comes down to that simple. But And you're going to have to hope the ball bounces your way. You know, force some turnovers. That's how you pull an upset. That's how you spring the upset is get a couple of turnovers, couple, you know, whatever it takes. So, uh, that off the top of my head is what it's going to come down to to pull the upset. Um, but obviously, I'll have more of my keys to the game, stuff like that next week. But, yeah, that, that's kind of what comes to mind uh, initially. 
Uh, Big Dog underscore 2003, last question here. Who do you think should be the starting running back based on talent, Feaster, or Dowdle? I mean, listen, I think Tavian Feaster's probably got more overall talent, but you don't start based on talent. You start based on what you've done on the field. And Rico Dowdle has done more than enough, in my opinion, to be the number one running. Like, he hasn't lost the job. I mean, does anybody out there think that Rico Dowdle's lost the job by any means? And again, it's more of a 1A, 1B situation, I think, at this point anyways. But Rico Dowdle, in my mind, hasn't done anything to lose the job to Tavian Feaster. Um, at all. So I think Rico Dowdle should be the RB1. But again, those guys both need to touch the ball 12 to 15 times a carry at minimum. I just, I, I think that's a good, that's a very, very good recipe for South Carolina offensively. So appreciate the questions, appreciate the voicemails as always. Uh, really, really excited to get in this interview, guys. Uh, Derek Watson, aka Squeaky, as Gamecock fans know him as, one of the most well known Gamecocks of all time. Great Gamecock running back, rushed for over 2,000 yards in his career, had so many memorable. Uh, memorable runs for the Gamecocks, helped the Gamecocks turn around from that one and twenty-one, that twenty-one game losing streak to back-to-back Outback Bowl victories. Um, talk a lot about his play on the field, and also a lot of stuff off the field. A guy that um, has really battled some demons and 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 battled some personal, you know, gone through some personal trials and tribulations, and really learned a lot about his story and just who he is as a person. And very, very intriguing stuff. Urge you to listen to it. Fantastic interview, and it's brought brought to you by our friends. Over at SeatGeek, guys, we're right in the middle of the season. we got a lot of football left. If you need your tickets to any Gamecock sporting events, go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP to save $20 off your first purchase. I also want to urge you, if you're an Atlanta Braves fan, if you're going to MLB any MLB playoff games, I know the Braves play on Thursday afternoon, Friday. I don't know the schedule beyond that, but I know for a, uh, for a fact Thursday and Friday. If you're going to those playoff games, I know a lot of you that listen to this are probably Braves fans. Heck, some of you might be in Atlanta. Why not save 20 bucks off your tickets for the NLDS? Why not save 20 bucks off? Use that promo code SPURSUP. You can also get tickets to NFL, NHL, NBA, concerts, comedy club events. doesn't have to be sports. Our friends at CE are going to have it for you. They've got a great ticket rating app. They actually rate the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. So it's really going to give you that peace of mind. You're never going to be scared or have that feeling you might be getting ripped off because it's going to tell you literally what type of deal you're getting. Am I getting a steal? Am I getting kind of ripped off on these tickets? Again, you're going to have that peace of mind before you click the buy button. They do all the work for you, and they make the ticket buying process super simple and super easy. Again, that's our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. All right, enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks running back Derek Watson. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up Show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 1999 to 2001. During his career, he rushed for 2,078 career yards rushing, 16 total touchdowns. He also had 56 receptions for 466 yards and two receiving touchdowns. He helped lead one of the greatest turnarounds in college ball history, taking the Gamecocks from 0-11 to back-to-back Outback Bowl wins in 2000 and 2001. He also spent his pro career, spent time with the Patriots, Buccaneers, and the Calgary Stampeders of the CFL. I'm very pleased to introduce former Gamecocks running back Derek Watson, better known by his nickname Squeaky by Gamecock. Man. Appreciate <laughs> taking the time in. It's a pleasure to have you on. Oh, man, pleasure's all mine. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, GCGC, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. El Pollo Loco, the crazy chicken. <laughs> for sure. So I want to go back to the beginning for you, Derek, because uh, actually let me ask you, because I know I mentioned the nickname Squeaky. Do people still call you that? And, and where did that nickname come from? 
Oh man, it, it's it's uh for a long time if you were to call my uh my anybody in my family, uh I know they don't have house phones anymore, but if you call the house and ask for Derek, a lot of times they say who? You know, so I mean everybody uh you know, uh everybody pretty much calls me squeaky back home, family and uh uh, you know, now as a uh, trucker, you know, uh, truck driving, I'm in the uh, truck driving industry and uh, I'm enjoying that, take a lot of pride in it. And, uh, you know, I, I got the name uh, from my grandmother, uh, crazy story. I've been had the name uh, since I've been probably uh, since I was walking around. Well, my grandmother, uh, my mom used to drop me off uh, at my grandmother's house. And, and uh, sometimes I have a little bit too much energy for her. So she'd give me a little, little shot of vodka, uh, sprint off vodka. And uh, that that kind of put me in the corner a little bit, you know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> I guess as as a kid, I kind of got a I kind of got a, a little thirst for the vodka, and uh, she wouldn't give it to me all the time. And she said it, when she didn't give it to me, I'd run around the house crying and, and crying. And she said I sounded like a little squeaky little rat. So she, that's so she started calling me a little squeaky. So that's where it came from. So it's a lifelong name, and uh, uh, I don't mind being call, you know called by it still, you know. But as you know, uh, like I say, I'm. You know, my business name is Derek, but I still have a lot of people call me Squeaky. I I, I still prefer Squeaky, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's a cr- crazy story. Yeah, for sure. So <laughs> I, I want to go back, you know, to the beginning for you. Um, you're a kid from the upstate, from Anderson, South Carolina. Uh, the Gamecocks, you know, you came in and were recruited at a very interesting time. South Carolina transitioning from Brad Scott to Lou Holtz, which is obviously a huge hire for just the University of South Carolina to get that type of name, you know, a Hall of Fame, legendary head coach. Talk about your your recruitment, because I know obviously you were one of the top running backs in the entire country, probably could have went anywhere. But talk about your recruitment, why you chose to be a Gamecock. Yeah, yeah, indeed, man. Uh, you know, ran back uh, some good memories, man, to think about those days. Uh, a lot has happened since then. But, you know, back then, uh, I probably was uh, the number six running back in the country. Uh, obviously, Mr. Football uh, here in South Carolina. And, uh, you know, it was just uh, the timing of, of everything with uh, Coach Hopes coming in, uh, pick up the Coach Hopes, uh, miss him a lot. I uh, love to see him and talk to him and chat with him. And, uh, you know, it was just timing things uh, with him coming. It was big for me. Uh, it, he didn't have to do much selling, you know, uh, with him being a, uh, a run-first type coach. And, uh, you know, it didn't take much. You know, I was recruited by Tennessee, uh, and they, you know, it was them in Tennessee and Georgia, pretty much. Uh, Coach Spurrier called me one time, and uh, you know, in classic uh, Coach Spurrier's fashion, he said, "Hey, Derek, uh, it's Coach Spurrier, Spurrier from Florida. Uh, I just want to let you know we're interested in you, but if you don't want to come down here, no problem. We get another one just like you." There you go. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was pretty much uh, his speech to me. So. Uh, you know, it was pretty actually, actually rather funny, but uh, you know, I wasn't wasn't interested in going to Florida playing as a Gator, and uh, so it pretty much came down to uh, USC and Tennessee. Uh, uh, coach, uh, I think Coach Donovan was down at Georgia, and uh, I remember he, he I was supposed to go on my uh, my my recruiting visit to Georgia it was during during basketball season, and uh, uh, Coach Donovan's son comes up, and I just didn't want to go, so I'm. I hide now. I'm hiding out and get snuck out the back of the locker room after a basketball game. Just left him sitting in the parking lot, which was, you know, uh, you know, uh, it was just, you know, that was the wrong thing to do. I shouldn't have done that. But I had made up my mind that I wanted to go to USC, and um, pretty much that night is when I made my uh, verbal commitment. And um, 
and you know, and, and Tennessee was in it, so it was really, you know, Carolina or Tennessee, and uh, obviously uh, Tennessee won the national championship that year, and it was, I guess they won the national championship on a Saturday night and uh, Monday morning, all their coaching, their whole coaching staff was at Palmetto High School, uh, so which was a big deal at Palm, Little Palmetto down in Williamston. I mean, they came in with their Ava Rex, Tostito, Fiesta Bowl, jack, uh, leather jackets, brown jackets. And, man, I was, you know, uh, skipping class in the gym, practicing my free throws, you know. So I, I'm supposed to be in Spanish class, but I'm down at the gym shooting free throws. And I just noticed uh, there was a lot of commotion in the hallway and everything, and people were pouring out of the, the classrooms and, I look out of the gym doors and I see all the coaches walking down and just everybody was in awe. And, it, you know, it uh, it was a big deal. You know, they all, you know, I was their first visit after they won the national championship. I was the first recruit they came to visit. You know what I mean? So it was, you know, I, you know, I, you know, it was a big deal, you know, but uh, took my visit. I went on my visit up there. They flew me up there in their private jet and everything, you know, so I'm on the plane. And uh, so I'm with the pilot. It's just me, the, the pilot, the co-pilot. And uh, I'm sitting back there, and they they have the uh, ice chest and everything, the private jet. It was real, you know, it was set up pretty nice. Had Coca Colas and Pepsi's and everything on the top. And he 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 look, he finally looks back there. He say, "Hey, my man, if you if you dig if, if you dig down in there uh, further enough, you might find what you're looking for." So I, you know, I peel back the layers on the top, and you you know, <laughs> you, you got the. Uh, the, the Hennessy, the Crown, the Grey Goose. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> there, there it is. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, it's like, oh, no. but anyway, so, uh, you know, uh, uh, so, you know, I mean, it's not a, uh, not a long trip, but they let me, uh, fly the plane, you know, which, you know, once you get it up there, ain't really much to it, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it was a good gesture to kind of let me sit behind the wheel in the cockpit and everything. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, so coming to coming to Carolina, uh, it's really something I reflect back on because uh, it wasn't cool to be a gamecock at that time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, I, you know, uh, I'm not a real big talker uh, about myself, person, but it's some things that I, you know, uh, like to talk about and shed light on. That, like, say, at, at that particular time, going from the transition from Brad Scott to uh, Coach Holtz, it it wasn't, you know, uh, per se, cool to be a gamecock and. To, and they had a one in ten season uh, before that year, uh, so I chose the Gamecocks over the national championship team. And uh, you know, and, and I think making that decision as a Mr. Football in South Carolina, number six running back uh, in the country, and and then turn down the uh, national champions for Carolina, you know, it paved the way for in-state recruiting for Carolina to 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 get a Demetrius Summers, to get a Marcus Lattimore, to to get a uh, Jadavion Clowney, uh, 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 Alshon Jeffries, uh, uh, Sydney Sydney Rice, you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a pioneer in in in, in uh, making the decision to stay in state with Carolina. Without a doubt, without a doubt. So I, I want to go back to again. You get on campus fall of '99. We already talked about Lou Holtz, but talk about just. Your your first interactions with him because I've had like I told you a couple guys on from you guys era and it's the, the Lou Holtz stories are pretty uh, pretty entertaining. But what are your what are your what were your first interactions like with Lou Holtz? Uh, well, uh, well, I guess we'll go back to uh, to a, a house visit. He came and uh, uh, they you know they it was kind of a smear campaign against Coach Holtz that the. Uh, the Tennessee coaches knew I was leaning, I was leaning toward going to USC, and uh, 
they had gotten to my grandmother and and my dad, uh, and pretty much kind of sold them on Coach Holtz was doing illegal stuff to get me down in Carolina, which he, he didn't have to. Uh, you know, they people just could understand why would I choose a one in ten ball club, uh, uh, which you know uh, doesn't ha- have uh, uh, I guess a uh, 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 historical dominance in football over the national champions, but. It, it, it was solely uh, because I grew up going to Carolina games. I had a, a baseball coach and a good friend uh, that I played little league with that was Carolina fans. And uh, I went to a lot of Clemson games being from the upstate and around Anderson, but I went to just as many Carolina games. And, uh, man, I remember watching Tony Watkins play, which was my favorite player, you know what I mean, one of my all-time favorite Gamecocks, uh, Tony Watkins, Brendan Bennett, Rob DeBoer, I mean, uh, uh, Anthony Wright, of course, and uh, Steve Tanner here. I mean, I, the list go on and on, you know what I mean? So, uh, and you know, uh, it was just kind of a, uh, a situation. It, it, it was a big elephant in the room when he came to the house, you know what I mean? And, uh, mm. you know, uh, it, 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 you know, the way he handled the visit and everything, my, my grandmother was giving the cold shoulder. My dad was in, he was in the, he was in their sleep, you know, so, <laughs> you know, and uh, we just talked, man. And uh, he really made, made me feel, uh, feel accepted. You know what I'm saying? His way of, of bringing me in, I felt accepted before I even signed. So I pretty much, uh, I, I wasn't 18. And so I had to get my, my grandmother to sign my letter of intent. She wouldn't sign my letter of intent. Uh, so that morning, uh, uh, signing day, man, it was, uh, I mean, it was, it, you know, it was a tough time. I went into school uh, probably around about 7 o'clock, 7.30 or so. School started at 8 on signing day. And uh, uh, I was called up to the office uh, by the principal. And I went up to the office. And uh, and uh, my principal, his son, actually went to East Tennessee State. I found out later that they had promises of, Given his son a coaching job at uh, Tennessee, had I went on to Tennessee, and uh, and uh, my brother who came to school with me had on all Carolina. He already knew that I was going. He had the Carolina hat on and the sweater. They kicked him out of the school. You know, they they, <laughs> they locked locked doors on him. He was about lit up, about half drunk. Anyway, so <laughs> they they kicked him out. You know, so I'm in I'm I'm in the uh, in my principal's office. My principal wants me to go to Tennessee. Uh, I mean, they they were on a conference call with all the coaches on the Tennessee staff, and I was in the principal's office from about eight o'clock to lunchtime, eleven, twelve, so. And I finally said, "Man, I need a break. I need to go eat something." And I went, you know, went to go uh, to the cafeteria, and a uh, mentor just just so happened uh, one of uh, a good a mentor, like a father figure of mine, mm-hmm. guy named got by the name of Tommy Tommy Ellison, businessman businessman up here in, in upstate in Anderson. And uh, he came to the school, and he just in the hallway said, "Man, what, what's wrong? You, you're supposed to be happy." And uh, I was, man, I was just worn out, and you know they were trying to persuade me, and they were talking about Coach Holtz, and then they was calling Coach Holtz, and had him on the phone, and they was just trying to get him out of character, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. just the way he handled himself, uh, and, and, and by handling everybody, you know what I mean? So, uh, so I ate a little lunch, and and I came back around one o'clock, and. And so the word got out to my high school football coach what was going on. So he came in the office. He, you know, he was, you know, he used to call me big guy. He said, What's wrong, big guy? <laughs> I, I, you know, and I didn't want to say nothing in front of my grandma. My dad was in the office. He pulled me outside. He said, "What's wrong with?" I was like, "Coach, man, they 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 want me to go to Tennessee." He's like, "What do you want to do?" 
I said, man, I want to go to Carolina. He said, well, what's the problem? We're going down to the library. They had all the cameras and everything set up for the silent day table and everything. And they were just waiting on me for hours and hours and hours. They wouldn't let me out of there. So he said, well, what do we wait on? He went back in there. He said, he says he wants to go to Carolina. We're going down here to the library to, uh, to sign these papers. If y'all want to come, y'all can come. If not, we're gone. And, and, and that was my, you know, that was my way out, you know, so I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> so, you know, to see the pictures from signing day, to see my dad on one side and my grandma on one, one side, they both wanted me to go to Tennessee. I'm smiling with the pen in my hand and that man, they just stone faced, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, you know, but, and, you know, so I chose to come on to Carolina and uh, Coach Holtz, man, and, uh, I really had a respect for him for how he handled the situation, you know what I mean? And uh, our relationship from there, uh, it just, we just built on that. And, uh, uh, and, and and the guys on the team, they used to call me his son, you know, uh, you know, they, well, your daddy, they, you know, this little stuff like that, just, you know, just playing around in the locker room, but they used to call me his son. And man, I, you know, it was kind of like your, your parent or your grandparents, you can't do any wrong mm-hmm. in their eyes. You know what I mean? And, uh, but on the field, I know I had the off the field issues, but on the field, he knew I was a warrior and, uh, and, uh, I, you know, I, 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 I done every play just like it was a game, you know what I mean? Practice, so you know how you practice how you play. And uh I was just balls to the wall, uh excuse my language, but I was just, you know, just balls to the wall uh in practice. So and it and uh it, and it was undeniable, you know what I mean? Uh mm-hmm. the off the field issue was one thing, but on the field I you know, I was the example of what a player should practice and play like. You know, uh so I we I think we had we both had a respect for each other and 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 I definitely appreciated him as a coach. That it's different for everybody. You know, you got some people. You know, you know, he, there's no gray areas. Either you either you like him or either you don't like him or you love him. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I was the one that loved him and and I think the feeling was reciprocated. So uh, that you know that that made me feel good that my you know my coach he always went to bat for me. No doubt. So, Squeaky, I want to talk about on the field your freshman year because you, you carried the ball 111 times, 394 yards, uh, three and a half yards per carry. I know how the season went as far as records concerned, but for you specifically on the field, um, being a Mr. South Carolina football, you know, being one of the top running backs in the country out of high school, how do you feel like your game transitioned from high school to the collegiate level and the SEC level? Uh, well, uh, that year actually uh... – uh, I actually got off to a great start. I don't know if you, I, I'm sure you do, but uh, the monsoon up in uh, NC State. Yep, I mean, yep. it was. I mean, it was raining, man. I, <laughs> you know, it's one of those games you have to wring out your socks at halftime. You know what I mean? And uh, I mean, it was raining so bad, and uh, and you know, it was almost as if everybody's field was wet except for mine. And uh, end up having a uh, guess about 21, uh, 19, 18 carries, 121 yards. Uh, as a freshman, very first game as a freshman, and uh, you know the uh, the basketball team was wasn't doing so well. The, the baseball team wasn't to to its greatness yet. So I'm this kid on campus, and all of a sudden, you know, in a matter of of a uh, uh, 60 minute ball game, I, I I'm the big man on campus. You know what I mean? And uh, it, it it overwhelmed me a bit. And uh, so around about mid-season or so, I don't know, I guess, the, the dynamic of the season. Uh, uh, you still there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, okay. Sorry, my phone just. But uh, yeah, the dynamic uh, of the season uh, with having uh, three Mr. Footballs in the backfield. You had me, uh, Mr. Footballs, South Carolina, Ryan Brewer. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean that 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 was my you know that was my trench hole warrior. You know if it you know how they say if you wanted somebody in the foxhole with you, mm-hmm. Ryan Brewer. Ryan Brewer definitely been the guy I chose to be in the foxhole with. But uh, Ryan Brewer from uh, from uh, Ohio and uh, Andrew Pennock from uh, Connecticut. I mean, mm-hmm. three Mr. Footballs in the backfield. And uh, I guess I got a little ahead of myself and I got a little down because of carries and not uh, playing. And, I mean, we also had upperclassmen at the time uh, with uh, Troy Hamburg. Of course, he got uh, he got released from uh, uh, from Carolina his senior, uh, his senior year. And we had Boo Williams and uh, – you know, I actually was thinking, you know, I started to think about transferring because I got a little down and, uh, you know, but I, I hung in there uh, with Coach Holtz and uh, the rest of the coaches, coaching staff. Uh, coach Buddy Pugh uh, was an awesome coach. Uh, I still talk with Coach Buddy Pugh and, uh, you know, I I decided to stay on and, you know, and, and it was one of the good decisions that I, I made, you know, along the way. And, uh, and you know, that season we ended up uh, uh, 0-11 that season and uh it you know it wasn't you know uh, a big high you know what i mean but mm-hmm. uh so from the transition from what happened is uh i think that off season they went to some coaches clinic to purdue um and that's when we transitioned from uh you know the eye and uh, uh 21 personnel with two backs one tight end or uh, uh, 22 personnel, two backs, two tight ends. We went from that mm-hmm. to the spread offense. And uh, it was pretty much the same thing Purdue was doing, but they were a little bit ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as the spread offense, uh, Purdue was doing it. And we're one of the schools that brought it to the SEC. We're, we actually was the first team to bring the spread offense like that to, uh, to, to the SEC. So what it did, uh, my sophomore year, it, it defenses didn't know what to do. You know, uh, uh, of course they knew, uh, you know, the talent I had, but they didn't realize or they didn't know how to align for it. So uh, it was pretty much, you know, a numbers thing. If, if you know, with running the uh, spread offense and running the read option, uh, you know, now you got so many pass options uh, off of this this uh, spread or uh, read option. But it was pretty much if the linebackers out of the box, give it to him. I mean, if he's in the box, run the bubble screen, you know, and uh, most of the time they kept the linebacker out of the box, you know what I mean? So it, it was a, it was a gift and, but they didn't know how, they didn't know how to align for it yet because again, in the SEC, they had never seen the spread offense, you know? So I think that had a lot to do with that thousand yard season I had as, as a sophomore. No, so I want to ask you, Squee, going back to 99, you, you talked about just, you know, we obviously know how tough of a season it was record-wise, everything. You talked about, you even thought about transferring. I mean, I, I want to ask you your honest opinion. I mean, again, you came to South Carolina at a time when, it, like you said, it wasn't cool to be a Gamecock, if you will. During that 99 season or at some point in that 99 season, did you look at yourself in the mirror and just think, did I make a huge, huge mistake? When, again, like you said, you turned down the national champions. And I'm glad you did, obviously, but I mean – just being completely honest, I mean, did that ever cross your mind? Like, oh my God, what did I just get myself into? Uh, yeah, yeah, and no. Uh, I, I, it wasn't so much what did I get myself into. It was, it was more so what are they thinking? 
you know, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not getting any touches some games. I went in some games getting, but uh, uh, quite naturally, they were still trying to, to see who was going to be their guy uh, with me, uh, Ryan Brewer, and Andrew Pinnock. And uh, so, uh, it, it, you know, it was more so uh, it wasn't what was I thinking because obviously I won't, I, I'm a Gamecock, still am, and uh, always have been, mm-hmm. always will be. And, uh, you know, so I, I thought about it, and, and, it, and it was more so a uh, uh, just a kid pouting, you know what I mean? And uh, so, uh, you know, going into that uh, to that, uh, that offseason, uh, Coach Holtz pretty much assured me uh, that he's going he's gonna to get the linemen, you know, and he's going to, you know, uh, just hang in there, understand how you feel. And, uh, and, you know, he was truthful in that, you know, that. And uh, so what we did uh, – Got uh, of course we had Shane Hall there as a as a lineman from uh, New Jersey. He's a good lineman. Uh, uh, Melvin Page, uh, 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 Larell. We had Larell and we had uh, uh, CJ. Yeah, C, uh, CJ Fry and uh, uh, Cedric, of course Cedric Williams and uh, of course Travell Wharton. And uh, man, I mean for for him to just have you know the the, uh, the mindset that maybe he should go from, you know, the eye set and, and spread it out a little, you know, uh, and, and spread these guys out on, on defense. And, and he's always been a smash mouth coach. And I know that took a lot for him to do that, you know, but he wasn't spreading it out to pass it. He was spreading it out to run it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and when, you know, when, when it, when it clicked to me and what he, what, and, and he made me understand that what he was doing, cause I'm like, we're going to the shotgun. I'm used to the eye. That's what I ran in high school. Um, I'm a downhill guy. I like to get ahead of steam. Now I'm going from downhill step uh, forward first to now my first step is sideways. You know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. just having to get that momentum going toward the line. But once I understood the offense and what the concept was, I, I seen it was spread it out to run. You know, and and what they thought in the SEC by not seeing it before, they thought we were spreading it out to pass it, but we was actually mm-hmm. spreading it out to run it. For sure. So, Squeaky, going in that 2000 season, let, let's talk about that one. Because, again, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you were part of one of the greatest turnarounds in college ball history. I mean, broke the 21-game losing streak against New Mexico State. During that offseason, I, I mean, did you, did you see that coming? I mean, was that something where – because I know, like you said – you guys recruited a lot, you know, Lou Holtz second year though, but again, you're on a 21 game losing streaks. So I know mentally that's got to be hanging over you all off season, but did you see that coming, that turnaround coming in 2000? I actually didn't. Um, you know, it was a, uh, it was one of those things where uh, we're just going to well, hope for the best, you know, prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. However, uh, it was, the hope was, let's see how this offense is going to run. At, but obviously, I mean, we had we had the players on defense. I mean, Kalimba Edwards, uh, Cecil Pigley. Uh, 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 I mean, not Cecil, but uh, 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 Pick, you know, Cleveland Pigley. Sorry about that, Cleveland Pigley. Uh, uh, Cecil Cobbwell, Kenny Horney, uh, uh, Rashad Faison, uh, Sheldon Brown, uh, Kevin House. Uh, you had uh, Willie Alford, which which is another one of my uh, all time favorite players. Willie Alford. Uh, Oh man, uh, uh, Andre Goodman. I mean, I mean, the list go on. It was clear we had the defense. You know, I believe yeah. that. I I knew that, but it was the offense that was the question. And uh, I don't think it really sunk in uh, 
and, and with the talent we had and, and what we had acquired with uh, James Atkinson coming in, I mean, who was a freak of a, uh, a receiver, you know, to see him in person, James Atkinson, uh, Corey Alexander, uh, has uh, uh, some other guys, uh, just can't think right right off right now. But, uh, you know, obviously with Andrew Pinnock and, and Ryan Brewer and that year, Ryan Brewer went out to the slot. And, uh, and 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 that was that was big for us to have Ryan Brewer uh, as a slot player uh, shaking up the, the defense with you know with, with his wiggle and running routes and also blocking off the edge you, you know what I mean so uh, that done a, that done a, a great deal for us but I don't think it really hit it but Coach Holtz is a, it, it, I mean he he you know he's a master of, of conditioning men you know not only physically but mentally. And, uh, man, he had us in a state of, man, we really thought we could, you know, run through a wall. And uh, But it really – and he, he told us uh, that, you know, he didn't ever understand what, how South Carolina never done well in, in, in football because he always said that the best athletes are in South Carolina, Florida, Tennessee. I mean, not – excuse me, uh, Texas. You know, South Carolina, Florida, Texas had the best athletes. And uh, now looking back on that, he's right because, you know, uh, a lot of players in the NFL and, 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 and played in the NFL that came from South Carolina, they don't always uh, stay in state, but from South Carolina, you know. So uh, I think we got up to about 5-0 uh, and oh maybe, and uh, it, really, it really dunned on us. You know, we were 5-0 and oh with a top five defense, and uh, – I don't know which game we finally lost. Uh, I'm not sure, but we were five. I think we were four or five and zero, oh, and uh, I think we were just about to crack the top ten uh, at that time. And uh, man, I mean, it was you know it was an eye opener for us that he's right. You know, we are as good as he he say we are, and uh, and I think that gave us that head of steam to to, to finish the season strong. But uh, just by the dynamic of how the the season was scheduled at the time, I mean, we had the Orange Crush at the time. We had uh, we had we had Florida, Tennessee, and Clemson right back to back. I mean, that was, and we called that the Orange Crush because I mean, man, we were probably going into the Florida game. We probably had only lost one game at, at that particular time, and uh, and we lost three in a row, which gave us four losses. And uh, of course, after the Clemson game. Uh, Winning the Outback Bowl that year took us to eight and four, and uh, and, and and that's another one of my uh, claims of fame with with uh, feeling you know like being a pioneer of, for recruiting for Carolina is uh, we beat an Ohio State team who pretty much won the national championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we beat those guys two years in a row, and they pretty much won the national championship and and beat uh, the Hurricanes. Uh, with the with, with the addition of Maurice Claret, which I know that's a, that was a big addition at the time, mm-hmm. but we we beat pretty much the same team two years in a row that won a national championship that year. That beat a Miami Hurricane, uh, uh, outstanding football team. So and, and that right there, uh, looking back on it, uh, we didn't realize we knew we were good, but we didn't realize how good we were. And I didn't realize it until Ohio State won a national championship. And I'm like, man, we just beat these guys two years in a row, and they they won a national championship, you know, with the same pretty much the same team. And, uh, and the only guy they added was Maurice Collier. I say the only guy, but, you know, mm-hmm. but right, right. I mean, of course, he, yeah, obviously he was a big deal at the time, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, uh, yeah, so that season, man, it was a real, you know, real eye-opener going into our junior season, man. Uh, it really gave us some motivation in the offseason, man, that, 
you know, we, you know, we belong, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we find, we finally arrived. No doubt. So squeaky, I want to talk about from the 2000 season, that Georgia game, I, I, obviously that was the one I think that sort of, you know, I, I would say let Gamecock fans know this wasn't just going to be an ordinary season, the home game, huge upset, Quincy Carter, at those five interceptions. But I want, want to talk about you and that, and that win, 20 carries for 93 yards, three touchdowns. You had four catches for 20, 20 yards, and you also had a 53-yard kickoff return. Uh, talk about that game, how special that one was, and would you argue that that was one of your best, if not your best game ever in Garnet and Black? Uh, yes, uh, I, I would agree. Um, with the exception of probably Arkansas game or, or, or that we played my junior year, but uh, I would th- I would say – as a team effort, that was the best game that we we played as a team. Uh, everybody had a good game, that, you know. Uh, I mean, man, but the offense, man, uh, I, it, it gave us, you know, uh, it gave us our identity. You know what I mean? And now we finally understood the concept that uh, it works. I mean, man, they had Boss Bailey, uh, uh, Mark, uh, Marcus Stroud, and Richard Seymour. Uh, man, I mean, they. Uh, uh, Jermaine Phillips. I mean, I mean, all those guys pretty much were were first rounders, you know. And uh, obviously, Quincy Carter was a uh, was a heck of a quarterback in that era. And uh, you know, five interceptions on him, and uh, uh, having having a, a good offensive game. And I, I think that was a uh, defining moment for us, you know, as a team. For sure. So that 2000 Clemson game, I want to jump a little bit ahead because obviously again, the 2000 season was special, but I think one of the most well-known games for you, Squeaky, was the 2000 Clemson game. Nobody ever forgets the 61-yard run you have. I feel like it's one of the most iconic images in the rivalry where you're running to the corner and then end zone, you point at the Clemson player. Um, talk, talk about that run. You know, obviously, unfortunately, the game, uh, Clemson won benefit of the push-off, but talk about oh, that yeah. game for you, 25 carries, 150 yards, and that iconic touchdown, and what did Lou Holtz say to you when you got back to the sideline? Uh, oh, man, that's interesting you bring that up. I was going to shed a little light on that. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you know, uh, at that moment, you know, uh, my uh, all my family and friends were, just happened to be on the opposite hill, not the hill, but one hill in, uh, in, uh, 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 in their stadium. And uh, I was just happening to run right there, and, and I mean – I kind of, you know, and I understand uh, taunting penalties and I understand celebration penalties, unsportsmanlike penalties, but I really didn't intend on doing that. It was just something that I was just so, you know, I was, I, you know, I was just so amped that I just, I just pointed at him. And I, you know, and I went on into the end zone and uh, did my little thing. And Jamel, uh, was it was it Jamel? No, it wasn't Jamel. Uh, but anyway, so I did my thing and I'm coming back to the sideline. Now, before I get there, I realized they threw a penalty. And I said, oh, man, old man's going to be lurking. You know what I mean? So I'm like, <laughs> I got to come up with something to tell him. He said, Derek, what are you thinking? I said, Coach, I, I, tried, I was trying to stiff arm him. And uh, it kind of caught him off guard. I said I was trying to stiff arm him, so he bought it. You know, uh, <laughs> so he bought it. I told him I was trying to stiff arm him. So, uh, you know, so obviously they pushed off to win the game. And uh, so we get back that Saturday night. We come back. We're off Sunday. And uh, we have our team meeting on uh, uh, Sunday night. And uh, we're, all in, we're all in the team meeting room. And Coach Holt's pretty much giving his feel and everything. And he was just saying how hard it is to, 
to uh, to be the team with 13 guys, on, you know, 12 guys on, uh, with 13 people. You know, uh, you got 11 people on the field. You got one. You got to count for one person because they're playing at home. And then you got to account for the 13th person, which is the officials. You know what I mean? He said it's kind of hard to beat people. Kind of hard to beat a team with 13 people on the field. And uh, he says you got Derek Watson running down the sideline, tries to stiff arm a guy, and they called a, a daggone penalty. And my roommate Michael Ages is sitting right beside me. He kind of did a little crack up, like a little, you know, like. But everybody's quiet, so it sounded real loud, and Coach Holtz heard it. He said, "Remember Michael Ages? Get your, get your, you know, it's explicit, explicit. Down here, right now." So he calls Michael Ages out in front of the whole team meeting room. Get Michael Ages to come up there. He's standing beside his coach. If you got something to say to this team, you say it right now. I mean, just put him on the spot, blasted him, you know, because he really thought I tried to stiff on him, you know. And, and, and at that point, you know, it was, you know, it was, boy, you better not say nothing to be white. Because, man, that's it, because your daddy going to get you. <laughs> you, know, so it, you know, you know, crazy story. But, uh, he, you know, he went for it, you know what I mean? So, I, you know, I've been known to tell a little, little tale or two sometimes. <laughs> so, did he, did he ever watch the film and figure it out that you didn't actually try to stiff on him? I, I'm sure he watched it Saturday night, uh, and, and, and and them grading the film. I'm sure he watched it, and and, and uh, I, obviously he can see it. You know, his age doesn't have nothing to do with anything. I mean, the guy can do everything. I mean, play golf, shoot pool, play cards, match. I mean, it was nothing we could beat him at. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm sure he did, but for whatever reason, uh, he thought I stiff on that guy, and uh, <laughs> well, he thought I was trying to stiff on him. I mean, I. I, you know, I guess the gloves helped because you couldn't see the finger out. It wasn't, you know, you couldn't, it, it, it wasn't definitive that you could see one finger sticking out. So you could just see a gray glove. So it kind of, you know, maybe at being 60, you might have a little bit of a blur right there. So it may have looked like I tried to stiff on him, but I kind of felt bad for Mike. I was like, oh, man, he done, he done got him in front of everybody, man. My, I'm sorry, Mike, my bad. You know, <laughs> For sure. So I, I want to ask you, you know, Squeaky, about that sophomore year for you. Like, you know, it's crazy. You take a look at that year. You didn't. There wasn't. A, there wasn't a single game where you didn't have double-digit carries, which I think is really, really impressive. But that was your thousand-yard year. Again, you finished with a thousand sixty-six yards, eleven touchdowns. Really, you were the workhorse back for the Gamecocks, and you know, the big, big play guy for South Carolina. I mean, was it as simple in that sophomore year for you as just getting more opportunities, or did something click for you in your game on the field that helped you have that that big year? Uh, well, with, with the uh, you know with 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 uh, the coaching staff and uh, uh, with the uh, the conditioning program, the offseason conditioning program with uh, Pat Moore, and uh, you know it, it was pretty much I I played sports my whole life, but I've never been in shape. You know, and, and that off season coming into my sophomore year, uh, I actually got in, 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 in into top shape and into top conditioning. You know, and uh, so I was, you know, I was geared, I was geared up for that type of season. And uh, but like I say, uh, uh, schematically uh, with running that spread offense and and the defense just looking like a deer in headlights, not really knowing what to do. Because again, their coaches ca called the game. Uh, to stop the pass, you know, because just by alignment to, uh, you, you know, to, you know, everybody got an assignment, so you got to respect your keys. And uh, so you can't be out of alignment, you know what I mean? So just by alignment, uh, the coaching staff knew what the teams were going to line up in if we lined in a certain personnel or if we lined 
of the guys outside of the hash marks, you know, what type of alignment there would be. It pulled one of the one of one of the linebackers would have to uh respect their key and by alignment, you know, uh schematically uh it, it done a lot of opening up some lanes. And uh with the offense, man, and, and the offensive line and, and with the receivers buying in, man, and uh and uh everybody, I mean it was, you know, it, it was a uh total effort by the offense, man. We understood, you know, everybody uh, you know, everybody has a job to do. And and a lot of times uh, we could have had a, a better season uh, offensively looking at the film because a lot of times looking back, it was some touchdowns that we let it get let get away. And it was just all, it was always one guy. I mean, everybody done their job, but it was always one guy, you know, had he done this, this was, you know, this was boxed. You know what I mean, and right. uh, not only for me, but on uh, other plays, it's, it's just always it was always one guy. You know, uh, so we probably could have, you know, as as a team, had a better season that year. And uh, but you know, uh, a lot of times, you know, uh, just things happen, and you you know you you got some guys uh, playing on the other team that are good as well. You know, everybody's you know everybody's good. You know, uh, getting ready, you know, to get to the next level. You know. Um, in college, you know, everybody is a lot, whole lot better than in high school. So, uh, you know, some guys just shed some blocks and made some exceptional plays to make those things happen. But uh, again, a lot of us, a lot of our guys were in place, and it was just it came down to one guy, and and that and, and that also uh, helped us, you know, when we were watching film, and they made a they made a country effort to point it out to let us know how how good. Uh, is, is, and uh, Skip Holtz saying, man, you know, it's always one guy. You know, we're not pointing out anybody, but just think about it. You know, the plays that we look at in, in, in on film day and just watching and grading the film, uh, they pointed out, and we really literally seen that, you know, it came down to one guy, you know, uh, maybe not doing his job or maybe tired and uh and, and and we pretty much uh we seen that you know and we understood that and and that helped us going forward for sure so squeaky you guys win the 2000 outback bowl over ohio state like you mentioned you beat them again in 2001 you know when you look back at it, how, how much pride do you take in it currently looking back to you're one of the guys that really helped turn around this kind of football program and made a foundation for what we saw uh, with Steve Furrier and then the expectations that are laid out today. Oh man, I mean you're, I mean you're, I mean you're totally spot on, man. And and and, and, um, and, and what you're saying, I mean, uh, again, we we're, we're, we're both saying this. You know, it's kind of like you read my mind here. For I've been going over these things in my my head for years, but uh, you know, you know, beating Ohio State. Uh, of course, uh, historically good football team, and, uh, and 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 the way we beat them uh, last, you know, last second field goal, uh, and you know, it, and having that turnaround from going 0 and 11 to uh, 8 and 3, and then uh, I mean, excuse me, 8 and 4, and then obviously we're playing Ohio State again uh, in the Outback Bowl, you know, uh, so of course they wanted to get some revenge, or you know, they didn't have any respect for us, but. Uh, I'm sure they did go on, you know, that that following season, you know, but, you know, again, we booked them again. And uh, like I say, uh, we beat an Ohio State team two years in a row that pretty much won that championship that next season uh, with uh, pretty much the same players. Mm. For sure. So that that's uh, 
That 2001 season, I, I want to talk about your last game in Garnet and Black. Maybe your second last game in Garnet and Black. But your last game at Williams-Brice Stadium, um, you had a touchdown run against the Clemson Tigers. You are able to go out a winner at Williams-Brice against Clemson. How special was that one for you, especially after the 2000 game in which you guys really had one taken from you? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it, was, it, it, was big. Yeah, uh, it was big for me uh, being an upstate kid and, uh, and uh, you know, in the recruiting process uh, back then, uh, when I was a senior in high school, uh, SEC was pretty much the uh, only conference that had the Prop 48 uh, deal, you know, where uh, if a kid didn't qualify, uh, they could still in college but have to set out the season. And, that was pretty much, uh, you know, uh, what I thought I was going to have to do. And Clemson's uh, coach was Tommy West at the time, pretty much thought that I wasn't going to qualify. And so obviously they were recruiting me at the time. But once they thought that I wasn't going to pass the SAT, they stopped recruiting me. Well, I passed the SAT. <laughs> so, and that's a whole other story. Well, I tell, I tell that story too. So, uh, yeah, so. Uh, I took the SAT one time and uh, uh, I didn't qualify. I didn't make. I guess it was 850 at the time. I don't know if it's higher than that now, but uh, without you know with everything and all technology, it's, it's probably a 900, 950 now. But anyway, it was 850 then. So uh, what happened is uh, I was seen by a doctor uh, who uh, was testing me for a learning disability, and uh, so I got diagnosed with a learning disability, uh, ADHD, and uh, with interfering with, with my learning. So now that I'm diagnosed with a learning disability, uh, now I can have the SAT read to me uh, by a guidance counselor or a teacher from from my school. And uh, not only can I have it read to me, uh, I don't have to do it, uh, uh, the, the written English part and the math. I don't have to do it one thing, uh, one subject, uh, and then the other subject. I can go back and forth, you know. So uh, <laughs> my guidance counselor, she's re, uh, uh, I think it was Melissa Cole, and when she was actually a Clemson grad, and uh, but she was our guidance counselor. Uh, she is recently grad graduated and uh, real good woman, you know what I mean? She's fairly young, and she wanted me to qualify, and uh, so so we're taking the SAT. And uh, so she reads the question off, and she says, uh, do you think it's A, B, C, or D? I said, I think it's D. She said, uh, let me read the question over again. <laughs> okay. So she reads the question over again, and uh, which one do you think it is? Uh, I think it's B. Oh, uh, well, sometimes you just have to go with your feeling, Derek. <laughs> oh, okay, that's B. <laughs> so I went from not qualified. I actually made a 1250 on the SAT. You know what I'm saying? You know, so I would, but and, and uh, uh, quite naturally they would investigate that, right? But uh, at that particular time, John Cheney uh, was coaching at Temple, and they were petitioning uh, to the NCAA about the SAT being culturally biased. And uh, with that petition going on about it being culturally biased, uh, and me being African American, uh, they didn't want to mess with it. So. They never questioned it, you know what I mean. So I'm, 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 I'm at Bike Week uh, at Myrtle Beach uh, during the summer, and my test scores finally come back, and I'm at the hotel. I don't know how Miss Cole knew what hotel I was, but she found me. So I get a couple of my uncles in there, and and, and 
he come down on the strip down and, and he come squeak, 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 squeak. I'm like, what in the world is going on? So I come up here, like, you got a phone call. I was like, phone call? On the room phone? I answered, oh, she's crying. I was like, who is this? She's like, this. Yeah, it's this cold. We we did. It. I mean, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> so that you know, so that story. I mean, it was uh. So, but it, she was had passed. You know, uh, it was just you know just story just to play back on. But yeah, anyway, yeah. So uh, yeah, man. Uh, you know, it, it was good times, man. It was good times. Uh, and uh, I mean, bringing up so so many feelings, I. You know, I had at that time, man. It, you know, it feels good to reflect back on those times, man. It was a good time uh, in my life. And, uh, you know, it's good to talk about it. And, uh, yeah, man. I, you know, like I say, I, you know, I'm, I'm a proud Gamecock, still am. And like I say, I always will be. And uh, you know, we just have to get back to the, you know those days uh, of that type of recruiting and that type of uh, uh, competitive play. For sure. So, Squeaky, I want to ask you, you know, I, obviously I, I won't go into everything, but it, like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, you had some off the – I, I just simply want to ask you, if you – looking back now, if you could tell your younger self one thing, knowing what you know now, what what would you say to 18-year-old or 19-year-old Derek Watson? Oh, man, i I'd say if I, you know, uh, if I knew now uh, – if I had known back then what I now know, um, you know – I, you know, I'd have more confidence because, uh, you know, I, I grew up, a lot of people didn't realize it, but I grew up as a depressed kid, dealing with depression. And, uh, you know, uh, and it was part of what uh, uh, motivated me and uh, fed me mentally as a player that I always looked at other players and thought they were better than me. You know, uh, for whatever reason, you know, by the end of the game, it was clear who, you know, uh, even basketball, it was clear who the best athlete on the court was, and it was clear who the best athlete on the field was. But I had a bit of a uh, complex and, 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 and a bit of a you know, mental issue with dealing with depression that was, uh, that that went undiagnosed. Uh, you know, so I would probably have to tell myself to have, I wish I had more confidence in myself and I wish I had taken it more seriously. You know what I mean? Uh, I guess uh, I never, I, I never thought about it being over. You know, and, and which I knew, I know all things come to an end, but I just never seen that 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 end. That I never seen uh, myself going to the NFL because again, I uh, I always thought everybody was better than me. You know, nobody, you know, wouldn't think that, but you know, you can't tell somebody what they see in the mirror. You know what I mean? It, you know, what a person says of himself in the mirror, uh, a lot of people don't know. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I tell myself, man, just have, have – I wish I had more confidence in myself as an athlete and I took more pride in it, and I wish I had taken it more seriously. For sure. So, Squeaky, like I mentioned, you had a pro career. You spent time with the uh, the Patriots, Bucks, and then the Calgary Stampeders and the CFL. Uh, when you look back on your pro career, you know what's the biggest thing that uh, I guess you take away from it? Oh man, it, you know, uh, it, man, it's a, you know, it's a, uh, I mean, it's a business. You know, uh, I mean, you got so many hands into the game. Uh, uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of one of those things, man. Let you know, let the let the athletes let the play on the field side the game, and uh, and a lot of times, man, with, with, with you know, we got the same players on the field, but now we add money into the situation, mm. and uh, you know, it's you know, and, and now you know they're 
you know, starting to think about this thing about playing paying players in uh, college football, you know, uh, which I think they they should. But it's again, you know, how do you regulate that? You know, some players are obviously more valuable than others. You know, uh, and, you know, with those type of players that are, you know, uh, hey, uh, you know, if I was a player and, and, and they say, hey, uh, you can make some income, you know, but how do you regulate that? And uh, you know, obviously. Uh, uh, how how do you pay Jadavion Clowner the same amount of money uh, that you're going to pay your kicker? <laughs> you know, so uh, so so hey, me as Jadavion Clowner, you know, coming out of high school, hey, uh, let me make my own money. I'll pay for my own education. You know what I mean? So, uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, man, uh, it was you know just re- yeah reflecting back on it, man, it was uh. You know, uh, obviously, good times for Carolina, you know, as a whole. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and uh, with, with the things I went through uh, with uh, having to withdraw from Carolina, I, you know, make that clear, I withdrew from Carolina. A lot of people think I got kicked out. But uh, I actually had the choice to stay at Carolina uh, my senior year. Uh, however, uh, it was either – Stay at Carolina and set out, uh, set out a year, and, and and run the risk of getting caught up in the shuffle and getting lost. And hey, I was, uh, you know, I found myself now, but I was a lost, I was a lost kid back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you get, you know, the season goes, and some guys have some good, uh, a good year, and let's say, hey, I get in trouble again, and then you're totally wiped out. You hadn't played the season, now you're in some more trouble. You know, so I wasn't totally confident that I could stay. You know. Uh, I guess per se out of trouble, so uh, I I elected to withdraw from Carolina and uh, go down to go to South Carolina State with Coach Buddy Pugh, and uh, and I made some bad decisions along the way, and uh, and no uh, no disrespect to South Carolina State Bulldogs, I enjoyed my time down there, but you know sometimes you know that's one of the things that I look back on and say I I, I wish I had set set out that year, you know and and, and uh, Sharpened my craft a little bit as a player, and uh, and sat there and, and, and really did some soul searching and digging deep as far as far as uh, uh, being removed from the game. That would have done something to me. To watch the other guys and, and have a good season and, and how, how how happy they would be, and just to sit there and to be still, you know, because uh, I, like I say, looking back on it, you know, obviously uh, I went to prison and. Uh, 16. I, I got out here in 18. So I, uh, with, you know, with you know, with county time and prison time, I did a total of three years uh, on a five-year sentence, and uh, and it taught me a lot because I, I you know, I, I got I, I've always had ants in my pants. I always had to be doing something, and uh, man, I tell people all the time, man, I got some ants in my pants that got sharp teeth, and man, when they get to biting, you know, I mean, and they when they get to biting, man, I go. You know, but going to prison set me down, and it made me realize uh, who I was. Yeah, I, I was able to sit still and really, because I couldn't, you obviously can't go nowhere. And, and, and so what do you do with your time? You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I read, you know, I went to college, and obviously, I, you know, I went, uh, completed three years of college and my, uh, half of my uh, senior year, and I, uh, the second semester of my senior year, uh, Andrew Pinnock and I went down to uh, to train in uh, Kenner, Louisiana, with the great Tom Shaw, and uh, you know, uh, so I 
I've I got education and I've had plenty of books in front of me, but I never read a book fully through until I went to prison. And uh, and I realized that I enjoy reading. And uh, and it was a lot of things I realized about myself, you know, because I, I never had no inner peace. And uh, I was never able to be at peace. And uh, uh, prison, uh, you know, it does a lot of things depending on how you use it or utilize it. And uh, I was able to utilize it in a positive manner. And, and what I took out of that is being able to be still and, and, and really uh, and, and really focus on yourself and not have, you know, m- music booming in your ears and not have women around you and not have these props in your face. And you're able to actually peel back the layers and, and, and work on yourself. I mean, it took some time, mm-hmm. but uh, I dug real deep and, and, and I found myself, you know what I mean? And, and I said to myself, man, had I done this uh, my senior year and set out, it would have done the same thing to me as what it did to me, uh, being able to come out of prison with some peace and, uh, being able to find myself there. No doubt. No powerful stuff. So squeaky, one last question. I'm going to let you go here, but when you look back, obviously your South Carolina career, um, 1999 to 2001, when you look back on your career, what was your favorite memory in Garnet and black? Oh man. Uh, man, it's a lot of, them, man. It, it, uh, it's a lot of them. Uh, I still think about them to this day. And, uh, and uh, if I sat there long enough, I could think about one, you know, uh, or two that I hadn't think or thought about in years. But, man, it, it was a lot of good memories, man. Uh, obviously, uh, winning the Outback Bowl was, uh, was, a, good, was a big deal. Uh, two years in a row beating Ohio State. And, and again, uh, they won a national championship with pretty much the same team. And, and for me to sit and think about, man, how good we were, and how and, and to think about how could we how, how how much better we could have been we we were sold we bought in but it was just it was a part of us that uh had a bit of a reserve because again uh Carolina wasn't historically uh a good football team uh leading up to the 99 2000 2001 2002 and on to the Spurrier area era uh so it was a bit by the dynamic of the history on the football team, I think, is what held us back from being pretty much contenders for the national championship because, I mean, we bought in, you know what I mean? But uh, maybe it was a bit that we didn't feel we belonged that, that separated and, and made the difference in us being 8-4, uh, and 9-3 Outback Bowl winners uh, opposed to going to one of, you know, what they were – Call it one of these uh, power five uh, uh, bowls, or uh, you know, if you will. But uh, man, it's a lot of good memories. But uh, I'd say one. If I, if I had to say one, it would probably be uh, the 2002 Arkansas game at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a that was a that was a that was a big time, and uh, that that I reflect back on had a big had a big day that day, and we all as a team effort had a big day. Obviously, beating Alabama at home uh, was a big deal also. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say, uh, yeah, beating Alabama at home and uh, beating Arkansas at home, which they were a, a good team, but it was it was just the atmosphere that day, man. It was nostalgic, man. It was euphoric. And uh, it was just about like when we – and I was at this game. It was about like when we beat the number one team, Alabama, in the Spurrier era, beat Alabama the number one team at home. 
and I, I was there for that game, and I got that feel, and, and it took me it took me back to to those days, man. Uh, and I, I know I felt like I was on the team again. For sure. Well, Squeaky, appreciate you taking the time, man. I, I want to speak for all of Gamecock Nation when I say, you know, through thick and thin, whatever happened, whatever happened in the past is the past as far as off the field. But it was a pleasure to watch you in Garnet and Black. And I, I can't remember many more players that were as electric as you were on the football field, man. I, I really do appreciate you taking the time. And uh, let's definitely chat again sometime, man. Awesome story and a lot of great memories, like you said. And glad everything's going well for you now at this juncture. But uh, really do appreciate you as a Gamecock and as a person and uh, would love to talk ball with you again sometime. Yeah, man, I certainly appreciate you having me on, man. Good luck with the rest of the season, with the show. Uh, I'm still going in black. And, uh, yeah, man, El Pollo Loco, man, the crazy chicken, GCGC. GCGC. <laughs> appreciate it, Derek. So, for Derek Watson, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.